Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's workshop, Web Dev with Scout. This workshop is brought to you by Pathfinder, and Pathfinder is the extracurricular program for incoming first and second year Northeastern students. And we provide a safe and inclusive environment for students to discuss and pursue their passions. If you haven't already joined Pathfinder, then there'll be a link for that on our website, along with links to moderator applications if you're a third, fourth, or fifth year student who wants to participate. Um, and also on our website, you'll find some more information about the program. We have a bunch of other workshops coming up. Our next one is tomorrow with RSA and they'll be talking about life on campus. You can come and ask them any questions that you have. Um, and now we'll pass it over to Scout. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, thank you all for coming. Essentially what we're gonna go over today uh, is the process of learning web development. So this workshop is less about like coding HTML or CSS or JavaScript in the workshop itself because there are really tons and tons of resources out there on the internet for you to do that kind of thing. And it can take a while. Uh, the really overwhelming part about web development is that there's a million ways to do everything. And you hear a lot about technologies like React and JavaScript frameworks and all of this stuff that at the end of the day is honestly not where you should start. If you wanna get the best experience and the most uh, well-rounded knowledge for uh, any kind of front-end career. And if you build on the fundamental topics that we talk about today, uh, then I think that le learning things like React and other stuff will be a lot easier for you and you'll be, get a lot faster at it uh, and you can be more successful as a whole. Uh, so essentially what we're gonna do is we'll go over the major web technologies, which is in this case, pretty much HTML, CSS, and JS. And then I'll just provide some tips on like generally what I think is the most important stuff to learn. Um, so visually here's kind of a timeline is I think the first two we're gonna talk about that go kind of hand in hand is HTML and CSS. And then after that comes JavaScript. And then after that comes HTTP or getting data, real live data onto your website and then deploying something and putting it on the internet. So I just kind of wanted to start just to get a sense uh, and raise your hand. What web technologies is anybody familiar with or what tech stacks do you know? And a tech stack, if you're not familiar, is just a set of technologies uh, used together to produce an application. Um, I guess like we were just talking about CSS and HTML. I know a little bit about like just the general about like um, titles, subtitles, how to like um, bold text and change colors and stuff like that. But um, I do need a refresher. So uh, definitely today will help out. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. The fortunate thing is, is that the basic stuff, the like fund these fundamentals uh, are honestly pretty straightforward to pick up, especially if you do some focused projects. Um, there'll be a little bit of a project at the end of this as well that you can try. Uh, it's designed to be really human readable and understandable. So of all of the coding languages out there, uh, HTML and CSS are probably the most human friendly. So, but that's good to know. And um, again, if you have any questions set during this point or any point, let me know. All right, cool. So I uh, think first thing we're going to start with is HTML, essentially. Uh, and another question for everyone is, what do people know about HTML already? It is definitely a markup language. That's good. Uh, markup language is built with tags, uh, which is what we'll see in a second. 
yes, the frame of the website. That's actually that hits the nail on the head. So HTML is like the first and probably most important thing because you will never stop using HTML no matter what you do. Everything that goes on the web is almost everything that goes on the web is made out of HTML and all those fancy things like React and other web applications are just tools for generating and modifying HTML and CSS. So essentially what it is, is it stands for hypertext markup language, which you don't need to remember, but is fun to know. Um, and HTML is stored in an HTML file and then is made up of HTML elements. Um, and as I said, every single web framework produces HTML. So familiarizing yourself with it is very important. Um, and as mentioned, it gives the web page its structure. So it tells the browser what to render. Um, and it also tells the user what types of content are in a web page. There's an H1 tag, which represents a heading one. Uh, there are six in total, but uh, it has an ID, which we can talk about in a little bit, and then some text inside of it, and then it closes. So that's kind of what the markup piece is. And then a web browser like Google Chrome or Firefox is a piece of software that takes a look at HTML and gives it visual meaning. Essentially, uh, all browsers do this differently, uh, but at the end of the day, they um, form some visual output, which you would see on the right here, which is just unstyled text of my header, essentially. Um, so this is like a very common structure that you might see with HTML, where uh, usually all of HTML is wrapped in an HTML tag itself. And then uh, there's a header, and that includes some information like title or other information about the website. And there's the body, which contains pretty much the rest of the content. Uh, and then there's often far more markdown in the bit between that. But as I said, this should basically be the first thing you learn, as you'll always be writing HTML somehow. Uh, and there are a ton of HTML elements out there, but some of them are particularly useful. Um, and I would recommend that, I'll list them in a little bit, but you would take a look at these, familiarize with them, yourself with them, and what they do by default. Um, so you notice like back here, uh, this text is just kind of like styled, kind of ugly, but it looks styled. That's what a browser does by default with an H1 tag. And there's default behavior for all the different types of HTML tags. So knowing what that default behavior is, is very useful for you when you're building a website. Um, and then another important thing to learn is how to structure HTML files in a project so that you keep yourself organized and uh, can produce something readable. Uh, so thought we'd just hop into just a tiny example real quick in a code pen. Um, so basically, as you said, you know, like we have this header one tag and that outputs like this. And then this one is a P which represents a paragraph and you can see the text is styled differently. And then you have other elements like buttons. Um, and this is a little bit of JavaScript, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but each element has their own individual attributes that do different things. So like, here when the on click attribute for the button is executed, which is when you click on the button, it does whatever's in here. So speaking back to what I would consider the most, probably the most prominent or common HTML elements you'll come across is these. Um, these all have various forms. Uh, HTML is what wraps them. Title uh, is what makes this tab change. Um, head, it, 
contains lots of different information about the site and often contains things like meta tags, uh, which can tell you information like who wrote the website um, and some other different functions. Uh, nav is a thing for often for when you have website navigation. Uh, so if you ever go on a website like the Scout website, for instance, up here, this is like a nav. You would put this in a nav tag. Uh, then you have things like body, which contains the document. Style it can be used to put CSS inside of HTML. Uh, div is a very fundamental common one. You will use lots of divs. Div is just kind of like a container that um, you can put content inside. Uh, so people often use it a lot for styling and things like that. Um, span is a lot very similar to div, except that divs kind of go on top of each other and spans go this way. That's pretty much the difference. Uh, there's image, h1 through h6 paragraph. Uh, these are for links. These are for unordered lists. Um, these are forms, which would become important later. Uh, inputs for forms, and then footer. Uh, <clears throat> this is something used, which you can, in a cycle, point you into some resources. Uh, but this just kind of like uh, tells the browser often that a document is HTML and not any other kind of markdown. And then this is something you can use to put JavaScript in a page. So just one quick thing to notice about these is that a lot of them speak to exactly what they are, like image and nav and h1 through h6. And the reason this is true is because HTML is designed to be semantic and human readable. Um, and this is good for accessibility. So lots of the time, your web accessibility will be something that you hear about. And using the right HTML tags for the right job is very important. So just to pause, are there any questions? Hi, uh, I have a question. Uh, yeah. So I'm actually uh, wondering, this might be too specific, but I'm just curious if uh, we need to make tabs on a website on the top. So do we use nav and span there? I'm not sure when to use span. Uh, so could you just tell me what exactly you use when you want to like place tabs on the top of our website? Yeah, do you mean like, um, let's see if I can find a website that is a good example. Actually, the, the one that is just open right down there, your highlights, trending, design, tech, culture, and news, those tabs. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, so that kind of depends. Uh, I think generally nav is expected to be something like top-level navigation for the entire website. So if you're using it for that case, like this is something persistent in the top left, top right corner, top left corner, that would definitely make sense. Having multiple navs, um, may or may not be confusing. Uh, there is additional context. I can point you towards some resources for this, but you can provide additional context for HTML elements for accessibility purposes, uh, like saying this nav is for changing the content on the screen and this nav is for changing the page on the website so that screen readers can understand that. Um, accessibility is kind of like a deep hole that you can do a lot of different stuff for, but. Um, but otherwise, like regarding span and things like that, it really relies on, um, the visual effect that you want. So like how you move around content and give it structure is largely up to you. And you can utilize CSS a lot for this kind of thing as well. Um, but yeah, I think, um, 
basically it's whatever works best for your particular visual needs. Okay, cool. Yeah, so how to learn this stuff. Uh, I wasn't very specific there on many of these things. And that's, there's kind of a reason for that is that if I just tell you, oh, this big table of HTML elements is very important. They do these things like it's very unlikely unless you have a photographic memory that you'll remember this uh, three hours from now. Uh, so the best way to learn is by practicing and by making layouts. Uh, W3Schools is a website that is a very good reference for HTML. They have good tutorials uh, that teach you from the ground up. And I would recommend honestly going through that to start. Uh, you can also use it as a handbook. If you don't aren't the type of person that likes to read lots of information up front, you can just try doing things yourselves uh, and then use it as a handbook for answering particular questions. Now we'll just talk about CSS for a bit. And I'm gonna pose this question again of what do people know about CSS? The decoration of the website, yes. There you go. Um, you can change text colors with it. That's true. Um, so yeah, these are these are all great answers. Uh, CSS is probably one of the craziest and most powerful web technologies out there. You can do an incredible amount of stuff with just CSS alone. Uh, and as a result, I think it's one of the most important things to learn, even almost a little bit more than JavaScript. Um, and I think learning it right alongside HTML makes a lot of sense, or it makes a lot of sense. So it stands for cascading style sheets, uh, but it's associated with HTML uh, to change the way that the HTML appears. It tells the browser how to render that HTML. So if you think about HTML as just the structure of the website, this is like the visuals of the website and how that structure is, is rendered. So for instance, going back to this kind of example, uh, this isn't technically proper. Um, you would need like a style tag if you wanted to put this inside HTML, but let's just say we have this in a CSS file somewhere. Uh, we'll now say using a CSS rule that the text color of header ones are red. And then the browser sees this, applies it to the header one, and then that header text is red. Simple enough. CSS, like Lots of people think that you need JavaScript and stuff to do really fancy animations and stuff, but this is not true. A lot of the time what the JavaScript is doing is creating CSS for you uh, to do those animations. You can do like interactions, you can do many different things, and they're only adding more and more experimental features to CSS uh, today. So very cool thing to check out. But for the sake of utility and for your purposes, a lot of you may be wanting to make web apps and things like that. In order to do that, I recommend that you learn Flexbox. Flexbox is essentially a way to tell different pieces of HTML to arrange themselves in a certain way. Uh, so in like, for instance, a Zoom call, you see all the people's faces laid out in a grid. Uh, this isn't using Flexbox, but Flexbox would be used to achieve something like that. Uh, and you know, when you resize Zoom, the boxes squished together and resize. Again, this is what Flexbox would do for you. Um, essentially allows you to vertically align or horizontally align different elements in different ways. Um, then second on that list is CSS selectors. So these are essentially how you tell or how you tell the browser which elements to affect with what CSS. But yeah, uh, so 
a side note too is that you'll often see CSS frameworks out in the wild, things like Bootstrap or Tachyons. Uh, these essentially are a big set of pre-made CSS classes that you can use to achieve different types of layouts. And they definitely make writing your website faster, but I would say that if you aren't familiar with how CSS worked, they kind of subtract from your learning. And I would avoid them until you can write your own CSS, uh, especially because you'll learn lots of important things about maintainability and um, what effective styling is before you just kind of like use somebody else's stuff. But if you do need to do something very quickly or get off the ground running, then they are, they can be a good choice for you. So last question is, what do people know about JavaScript? Any guesses on what JavaScript does? Yes, interactivity for sure. So interactivity is definitely a thing. Um, HTML and CSS can do a lot of interactivity, but uh, the thing with HTML is that you cannot change it. It is static uh, unless you're using JavaScript. So that's pretty much what the most important thing is. And if you want to make any kind of advanced web application, then you're going to need to use JavaScript. Um, but at the same time, if you want to make an advanced web application, you need to build layouts. And to do that, you need HTML and CSS. So that's why you learn those two first before involving yourself with JavaScript too much. JavaScript is also one of the craziest programming languages on the planet. Um, it was created in 10 days by some people who are probably on a lot of coffee. Uh, it has nothing to do with Java except for some syntax, and uh, it powers so much of the internet today, which is not what it was really originally designed for. It was for tiny little changes to websites, but now we have giant apps like Google Slides that thrive on JavaScript and things like that. Basically, it's the idea is to dynamically modify HTML and CSS on a web page. There's also a whole bunch of other things that it does today, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, and at different levels of complexity, this is essentially what web frameworks do. So this is just what React does. It just changes HTML and CSS on the page. Uh, same with Vue or Angular or jQuery or any number of these JavaScript frameworks. Kind of going back to our example here, uh, we have this HTML and CSS uh, and we say the text in here is my header. But then after this renders some JavaScript runs that changes uh, what the inner HTML of this element is to your header. And then the result is shown. Uh, you could also change the class here. You could change the styling. You can do anything that you yourself could change about an HTML element, you can change with JavaScript. So as I said, you can get very far without using um, JavaScript and there are HTML elements that have default behavior that give you certain types of behavior. But um, if you want to do like advanced animations or pull external data into your application, uh, then you will need JavaScript. What the most important thing to learn with JavaScript is, as I mentioned, there are many different things it can do. Um, but I think the most critical one is the DOM API, uh, which is stands for the Document Object Model API. The document object model, in essence, is what the browser uses to think about HTML, essentially. If you kind of take a different example of like, say you have an application that sells cars, the 
coding language behind that application needs to understand what a car is. It needs to re represent it some way. It'll have things like its make and model and other properties that are belonging to a car. The DOM is essentially the same thing, but for an HTML file. It understands what elements are there, what elements go where, uh, what their styles are, all those different types of things. So that's what JavaScript actually changes, is it updates the DOM so that what is rendered is different. Uh, so this will give you like really basic understanding of how to manipulate the page. Like this is an example of using the DOM API of getting an element and then changing its HTML. Then there's this library called jQuery, uh, which makes a lot of that stuff easier for you. Uh, so that's something that can be useful for you to learn afterwards. And if you learn this and you're interested in learning advanced frameworks like React and stuff, the transition will make a lot of sense if you do it in this order. And then lastly, an important thing that many websites do is fetch data, pulling in things like weather or tasks or all of your files. Um, and this is done through something called the fetch API. Um, for those of you not familiar with the term API, that stands for application programming interface. And it has many different forms and meanings, but well, not too many meanings, but many different forms. And essentially it's just a way for two pieces of software to talk to each other. That's pretty much it. English, the English language is something of an API because I can say certain things and you can interpret them and understand them. And that's kind of like what, how two programs communicate is their, their external APIs. I'm going to ask a different question here. And this is kind of just like a random shot in the dark question. But when I type this into the browser and hit enter, what do people think are happening? Or what do people think is happening here? We're searching things in Google browser. That is correct. Essentially what this is doing is Google has an API that they run. It's on a computer. It runs on many computers actually. Um, but basically what you can use this API for is information. Um, you can type in a word into a browser and the browser will then ask Google's computer, which is out there, Hey, give me information. Let me search for hello. And Google will give you a ton of information back about that. Google happens to make the browser and google.com. So that's kind of nice for them, but you could still do this in Firefox or anything like that, of course. Right. And in very specific or very specific terms, what is happening when I do here, this is the browser is making an HTTP request to that com computer running google.com. And then that computer is giving the browser some information back. So HTTP essentially is a way for computers to communicate with one another and send information between different computers. That's pretty much it. I said that, um, APIs are kind of like, basically it's like, uh, what computers can provide to one another. And then HTTP is how the computers can actually speak to one another. So this is kind of like the last thing that 
you need to touch on, but it's kind of the last step to like building something really robust. Um, and what this is, is like stands for hypertext transfer protocol. So protocol is essentially like a set of instructions, a thing we expect. So if we're talking English here, like a protocol might be something like a greeting where I say hello, and then it is generally agreed that you say hello back. And then I say, how are you doing? And you say, fine. That's like a set of instructions that is how we should communicate. If I say hello, and then you say something completely random, like I eat cereal for breakfast, that's kind of weird. And it doesn't necessarily like fit with the protocol. So I don't really know how to continue the conversation there. Um, but browsers essentially make these HTTP requests to URLs. Um, so you'll see that like, hello, this is a URL where uh, it's at the search location and my query is hello. Um, and different URLs produce different results. And then browsers can then generally use that web page or something to display the information in that response. Um, and you can respond with tons of different types of data. It can be text, it can be HTML, could be images, could be video, lots of different stuff. Uh, and JavaScript can be used to make these HTTP requests. So when you need to fetch data, you need to understand how HTTP works. The most basic stuff that you need to be aware of is get, post, delete, and put. And basically what these are, are ways to say like, using HTTP, I want you to give me some data. That's it. Post is like using HTTP, I want to change some data somewhere. Delete is deleting data. Um, and then put is like, you, well, you can use post to do this, but it's kind of like a variant of post where you can use it to um, alter data. Another thing is kind of what I said here is like, you can include information with your request. Um, so sometimes you need to be authorized to do something. Like oftentimes when you log into a, an account on Google or something like that, that's creating an HTTP request, but you need to be authorized to do that as an individual, you need to know your password and stuff like that. So you can attach that information to your HTTP requests. Another thing that you will quickly encounter in web development is something called cores, uh, which will cause you a lot of strife, but it's basically a defense mechanism that browsers have built in so that you don't randomly execute JavaScript everywhere willy-nilly. Say I have an API out there, a computer that um, has information on me. It has like my name and my birthday and all these different things. And I don't want like just anybody getting this information. There are a couple of ways I could lock it down, but cores is one of those examples where I can set a rule with cores that only my personal website can access that information and anyone else trying to access that information, it won't work. So it can be safe for you and also like keep your um, browser generally secure. Um, and then there are things called HTTP response codes. So something you might have encountered before is um, a 404 page, uh, which is when you can't find something. Um, so that's an example of a response code. 200 is the standard, okay, good job. This work, request worked. Uh, and there are tons and tons of other ones that you can learn at your leisure. So we've kind of come this far, um, but all good websites are on the internet. 
So uh, eventually you'll want to do this. There's pretty much an easy and a way, hard way to do it. But just to give some more background on domains and URLs and things like that, uh, the base of a URL is called a domain. So something like google.com or twitter.com, things like that. Uh, you have to buy these uh, and then you own it and nobody else can use it. Uh, so domains point to these IP addresses, which are computers out there. And there's often complex technology that does that routing. Uh, but you can also have multiple levels. So like you can attach things to the front of your URL. You can't attach things to the end, but uh, for instance, like the Scout website is at scout.camd.northeastern.edu. So the easiest way to deploy a website is to use a thing called Netlify. Uh, and this is basically at the push of a button, you can deploy your website that you store in GitHub or something like that. And you can use your own domain as with many hosting services. Um, if you want to do this difficult, the hard way, but really learn something, you can look into a technology called Nginx. And what Nginx does is it's a program that runs on a computer uh, that knows how to do that trafficking to different URLs or to different IPs and stuff. So it can accept incoming HTTP requests and then send them back pretty much. Uh, but you will also need a little computer to run your web server on. So people often use these virtual private servers, uh, which somebody essentially just runs a little computer for you and you pay like $5 a month for it. Uh, and you can use whatever you want. You can do whatever you want on it to some degree. And then, so on your little computer that you have, you'd run Nginx and you would serve your website that way. There are definitely tutorials out there on how to do this, but this will get you very familiar with how websites work. Uh, but when you learn HTML and CSS, try deploying it. Um, try deploying like just a plain HTML file to see how it works. Um, it really helps to see it live on the internet and working. And it feels good to have something out there that literally anyone can see. So yeah, summarize uh, HTML and CSS are your two best friends. You want to learn them first into JavaScript. And then once you need to pull data into your website, figure out HTTP and deploy everything all of the time. If you're ever anywhere on your web development journey and you want advice, um, I'll do the best I can to advise you. And uh, otherwise, thank you all for coming. It was fun to have you. Pathfinder meets every week for roundtable discussions. We also meet weekly for workshops just like this one. So check out our Google Calendar and join in next time. Thank you so much and have a great day.